filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. This is a bonus episode because... 2018 MLS Cup season draws to an end this Saturday night on prime time on network TV. MLS Cup is uh, going down on Saturday in Atlanta, and we have a couple special guests tonight to uh, help us preview it. Uh, first up, I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We cover DC United. They're not in this game. So we have uh, two guys on who are covering teams that are going to be playing this this weekend. The first is Josh Bagriansky of Dirty South Soccer and the Mouths of the South podcast. Josh, welcome to the show. Doing well. You, you hit my last name perfectly, man. I actually looked up an episode of your show to make sure i uh, oh, wow i heard it cr- well, you're I, doing I research it. well your podcast yeah. already sounds better than ours <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts uh, <laughs> our other guest tonight is will conwell from Stumptown footy back on the show will welcome back thanks for having me again we have a little tradition on the show uh ben what are you drinking tonight uh, I am reveling in the fact that the New York Red Bulls are no longer in the playoffs. So I am uh, drinking their blood, drinking their uh, their life essence, and I'm having a Manhattan to delight in their failures. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Will, what are you drinking? Well, uh, I'll tell you, it's taken a turn for the chili here in Portland. Uh, so I am drinking a delicious hot cocoa. Nice. I had one of those tonight at a PTO meeting. I'm not even joking. This is my life. Josh, what are you drinking? Uh, usually I have like a Macallan, you know, usually neat. Uh, that, that always works for me. If I can get a side of that blood of the Red Bulls, though, that would be great. <laughs> I mean, it's coming from your sword. <laughs> it was, uh, so I, it seems we agree on uh, our, our uh, distaste for the Red Bulls here. We're the original Red Bulls haters, so don't don't try and get in on this. Good. Find, your, find, your, find your own rival. And a lot, a lot to learn from you guys for sure. <laughs> I uh, like this. The brown nosing starts early. <laughs> hey, Jason, I, I kind of already know because you're in my living room. But what are you drinking? I don't remember the name of it because I've been in a human whirlwind for about half an hour. Um, so I don't know right from left and up from down. Um, it has mezcal and cinnamon and I can't remember the rest. Uh, it, it's it's basically an old fashioned with mezcal, yes. uh, maple, simple syrup, cinnamon, orange bitters. Adam made it. I watched him. <laughs> uh, this was while his computer was connecting to Wi-Fi in my living room. Uh, as I said, uh, MLS Cup is Saturday. Watch it on Fox 8 p.m. Tonight, Josh and Will are here to vie, if not for your love, at least 
for you as a DC United fan support for one night. I, I'll say they they don't want to lose your love tonight. They just want to use your love tonight to lift a trophy. Um, and apologies to the outfield and you know everyone who heard that terrible reference. Will let's start with you. Number one reason for a neutral to like the Portland Timbers is. Uh, well, I mean, if we're talking about DC United fans, uh, I would think that it would just have to be that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Uh, I mean, how could you possibly root for another Eastern Conference team in a game like this, especially when the uh, the other option has a guy like Diego Valeri on the field? Bachelor number two, same question. Well, uh, a few reasons. First of all, you can sit back and say, wow, we, we beat the MLS Cup champs pretty bad when they came to our building, uh, 3-0. So you can take some uh, pride in that. But also, a lot of Atlanta fans are, D.C. is their number two team because of Yamil Assad. He's a, he's a, you know, a huge cult hero down here, and a lot of people have been following him. So there have been a lot of Atlanta United fans pulling for D.C. all year. And I think there are some similarities in style of play as well. If you compare like, a, a, you know, a Lucho Acosta to, to maybe a Miguel Amiron, um, in some ways a Wayne Rooney to a Joseph Martinez, I think there's some similarities in, uh, in, in play style as well. So, Bachelors, uh, my first question to you is this. Uh, and we can start with uh, Josh on it. Uh, both of your teams are relatively new to the league. So why should we, as an old, crusty MLS fan base, root for your for you carpetbaggers? Well, uh, I wouldn't even begin to compare Atlanta to Portland as far as history. And, I mean, I think Portland is a <laughs> – again, we talked about brown nosing, but Portland is a club as far as – especially fan culture. I think uh, Atlanta fans really look, look up to and, and take a lot, a lot of their cues from, I mean, <laughs> so, so you, you, well, why don't you guys, you guys don't want to cheer for, for the, for Atlanta United as a newer club or what's, what's, what's the perspective from you guys? You guys just old crotchety guys that have been around MLS forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're too new. We We want you to fail. We want you to know our pain. <laughs> Understandable, understandable. All, all uh, you've known is success, so we want you to feel feel the crushing defeats of history. Yeah, like well, we had uh, in your early years. Oh wait, it's, it's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say DC United, one of the early real dynasties in MLS. I mean, it's tough. It's Go tough on. to really. Yeah, Those good times, <laughs> good times back there with the dribble up penalties and all that. Um, but, you know, it's tough. A lot of people say that about Atlanta United, and I think it's tough to really – I mean, we haven't suffered, you know, as fans. I mean, I as an Atlanta sports fan, I can bring up a lot of things. Uh, I, don't care about your other, I don't care about your other sports. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It's tough for me, you know. I mean, I do think uh, I have to kind of get on my high horse a little bit and say I can't really uh, – I can't really uh, – off that one. I mean, uh, we've just – it's it's been incredible how smoothly things have gone, and there's been a lot of success. So if that's a defining factor for you, I I, I don't see how you can end up cheering for Atlanta. To be honest, well, what about your uh, carpetbagger team? <laughs> well, uh, I mean our uh, our carpetbagger team, such as it were, uh, has uh, has got plenty of history behind us. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, you know, DC United is a team that's been on the uh, the big stage in the U.S. for as long as that stage has been big. Uh, but you know, the Timbers have been around for a long time, uh, and you know, really suffered plenty of plenty of heartbreak along the way in the lower leagues. But now that we're here in the uh, in MLS, um, and you know, I think uh, the Timbers have been around for a little while now, even if it pales in comparison to your own uh, August lineage. Um, you know, the, uh, the Timbers have a, a long history of uh, booms and busts. And, uh, you know, when you aren't having to root for the team and follow them every year, uh, you can have an awful lot of fun with <laughs> the boom times. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll, I'll go, um, I'll, I'll switch the order up. Um, so Will, I'll come to you first. Um, DC United has done a ton of business with both of your teams. Um, with Portland, Dave Casper and Gavin Wilkinson seem to just send international roster spots back and forth, uh, over and over again. Um, to the point that we have to have in-depth explainers to tell our, uh, our readers what's going on with it because it's just too many spots. Um, I think it's four at the end of the season that will be going one way or, or coming back. Um, how, how, uh, how much does that business actually matter um, for Portland this year? I guess for, for you guys, it's international spots for Atlanta. It'll be a different, a different uh, angle, but um, how has that made an impact on you? Well, I mean, the Timbers are a team that, uh, you know, are really pulling from a relatively small market. Uh, and that means that it can be really challenging to develop younger players uh, when you have a relatively small net to, to cast. Um, to that end, the Timbers have really leaned into bringing in, you know, young guys uh, from abroad um, who, you know, could potentially really make a mark. Uh, and, you know, the team is, in a lot of ways, kind of remembered for the Lucas Milano signing, who, you know, I mean, he, he paid for himself in that he scored uh, or he assists on the winning goal in the 2015 MLS Cup. But, you know, overall, he's been sort of looked at as a, a pretty high-profile young guy who has been a flop. But, you know, when you look at the team, uh, you know, the Timbers are using those international slots uh, that is have been going back and forth with DC for guys like uh, Andy Polo and David Guzman, both of whom played in the World Cup. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Samuel Armenteros, who came in and scored a, a handful of really nice goals and then, you know, uh, got injured for basically guy. the rest of the year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure DC United uh, Academy product Eric Williamson was the result of an international slot crossing the country as well. That is also true. And Williamson's a guy who, I mean, was really good for T2 this year. Uh, you know, he has, he went on loan to close out the season uh, because when you're making a playoff run, sorry, but, you know, you're not going to displace Diego Chara and David Guzman. Uh, not right now, at least. But, you know, Williamson's another guy who uh, I think a lot of people who have been paying attention to T2 are really excited about for the future. Uh, and especially given his relationship with Ebebise, who uh, has been a big part of the Timbers' uh, late-season resurgence. So, 
you know, those, uh, those international slots as, as weird as some of those transactions have been, uh, you know, really speaks to the, uh, the, the good stuff that's coming going between the Timbers and DC United. Uh, Josh, it's a little bit of a, uh, different question since there's just not as much, um, I feel like Dave Casper has, uh, Wilkinson, um, pretty much number one is speed dial, maybe ahead of family members. Um, whereas uh, with Atlanta, there's only been a few um, Bobby Boswell going down to Atlanta to not play. Um, and then y- Yamil Assad's rights uh, coming up. Um, I get, I, I guess it's a sort of a, an interesting difference for you guys because you haven't really benefited from your deals with DC United nearly as much. Yeah, well, we do love Bobby Boswell down here. Uh, didn't, uh, you know, definitely, I'm sure you guys enjoyed him up there for a while. Um, not not a ton of dealings, like you said, and I think one of the reasons might be that the two teams kind of, it seems like they go after kind of similar types of players. Um, so you might necessarily see players moving in between the two clubs as much as uh, the clubs kind of going after similar types of players in the first place. So, not a lot of movement there, but the Yamil Assad uh, move remains, I think, the – and in Atlanta United's short history remains, I think, the most discussed uh, transaction that the team has made for sure. Thanks. <laughs> he's, he's a great player. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. He's a great player. So what is the feeling down there? I know you guys still like Assad, um, but do you feel hard done by the, the kind of – salary cap shenanigans that force that trade or, or what's uh, well, the, the general feeling? Come on. Right. They, they spent $15 million on Barker. It's not shenanigans. They chose who they wanted. Yeah. I think, I think that I, I tend to agree. And, and there was, it was pretty widely reported uh, that uh, the club did make uh, several offers to Assad throughout the off season and then offered him again uh, with a larger deal in the uh, preseason after Carlos Carmona was sold and it opened up some money on the books. And uh, Assad decided to go to DC United, probably because he saw maybe the writing on the wall with Ezekiel Barco coming in on you know fifteen million dollar transfer from Argentina. And you know he's a guy. I mean, I'm sure you guys noticed this. Loves to play, very passionate player. Maybe didn't feel comfortable with the fact that he might have been coming off the bench. Um, so I, I think it was much more of Atlanta United's decision and his decision, just as an am, ambitious guy. Uh, to want to go and, and start it week in and week out. I want to talk about how this game might play out on Saturday. Uh, will DC United fans have some rough, not so distant memories of playing against good teams, mostly in almost entirely in our own end in, uh, in, whether it was meant to be a bunker, that's what it turned into as often as not looking at these two teams and, and, the way they they seem to shape up for this game, I'm I'm curious if there's a chance that Portland end up ends up facing a similar challenge in this game, and is that something you're worried about? Um, I mean, I think that they, you know, absolutely will end up back in their own end uh, for much of the game, uh, but it's not really something that I'm worried about. It's you know that is how the Timbers play. That's how they want to engage with their opponents. Uh, you know, when you have a good team like Atlanta, uh, there's always the worry that they're going to find a way to break you down. But, um, you know, the Timbers really play in such a way that, uh, 
you know, it minimizes uh, a lot of their biggest weaknesses. Um, and, you know, when you have Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco, two guys who are really uh, willing uh, and able to operate independently down the pitch, um, especially with a, a guy who's capable of strong hold-up play like Evovise, uh, you know, you, uh, you really don't mind you know, looking for the long ball sometimes, looking to get out on the counter and, and uh, you know, forcing the opponent to, to uh, you know, try and break you down rather than uh, exposing yourself. And, you know, this is, uh, is going to be a difficult match for obvious reasons, the MLS Cup final, but I think the Timbers are going to be very comfortable with the, uh, <laughs> the spot that they're going to be put in. It's funny because in against the Red Bulls, Atlanta was, I think, uh, intentionally somewhat in in that position. At least that's what they expected mm-hmm. to be. They played a lot of long balls, um, and and I'm curious, Josh, whether you think against Portland we'll see the Atlanta team that that is kind of what has become what people think of when they think of Atlanta United and the team that forces turnovers in bad spots and just murders you, or if they're going to be the team that came into the playoffs planning to sit back and, and play longer uh, until Chris Armis uh, got, got a little too cute and LOL Metro playoff failure resulted. <laughs> yeah. We're still laughing at Chris Armis down here too. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question because um, Portland are, are very comfortable playing in their own half. Uh, kind of like Will just said that they're comfortable doing that. Whereas, the Red Bulls and NYCFC in the first rounds of the playoffs are teams that want to get after you a little bit more uh, and high press you. So that kind of led Tata Martino and he's, and he's told us this to, to kind of game plan a little differently and play more direct. And I think it was more based on the opposition and the way they wanted to approach the match as opposed to Atlanta United deciding to completely change their identity. So I would definitely expect um, a more aggressive Atlanta United than what we've seen previously uh, in the playoffs this season. That doesn't necessarily mean that you'll see a change in shape, um, but I think you'll definitely see the players more aggressive, pressing high up the pitch, um, as opposed to capitalizing on the other team getting overcommitted because Portland aren't going to do that. They're comfortable to sit in their half and absorb pressure. So I think the game itself and Gio Savarese's uh, tactics dictate Atlanta United playing a lot more aggressive on and on the front foot uh, at MLS Cup. Uh, I guess I'm going back in the, the same order. Um, so I guess I'm starting with Will again. Um, I'm going to bring up uh, the one player that's at least coming to mind for me as a connection between the two clubs. It's not going to be Sal Cizo, um, but uh, Darlington <laughs> Nagby. Um, he's been basically two different players in Portland. He did kind of play the role he has with Atlanta for a little while, but by and large was more, more attacking, more given more of a responsibility to create uh, and score goals. Um, which version of Darlington Nagby is the better one? The, the typical Portland version or the typical Atlanta version? Well, I think that uh, in a lot of ways, the typical Atlanta version is really sort of the, the evolution of Darlington Nagby. Um, you know, it, coming out of college, Nagby was a guy who scored 
bunches of goals. Um, you know, he tore people up with Akron. Uh, and getting to MLS, you know, he was put in kind of a strange spot for him. Uh, he was still fantastic on the ball, still remarkable in his level of skill and control. Um, but he was on some bad Timbers teams being coached by John Spencer uh, and just getting the crap kicked out of him by basically everyone he went up against in the league. Uh, you know, there's a reason he led the league in fouls uh, suffered or, or led or was near the top of fouls suffered uh, for the first few years of his career. Um, but as he, uh, as he, as he played and as he, you know, sort of continued um, in his development as a player uh, in the professional game, um, you know, we saw him getting really conservative uh, in terms of what he was trying to do. Every once in a while, there'd be a really, you know, just incredible, like brilliant strike. You know, he won the goal of the year, for example. Um, but uh, he, you know, was always a guy who on the pro level has been much more comfortable sort of just playing off the, uh, the simple, you know, not, not bad, but simple pass to, uh, to one of his teammates. Um, and when you can put him in a situation like Atlanta have got him in uh, playing in uh, the sort of number eight role, uh, you know, coming out of the midfield, covering ground, you know, being the, the transition guy, uh, then he's really going to thrive with that. Um, and, you know, you saw a little bit of that with, from him when he was with the Timbers. Uh, you know, Porter used him in that sort of situation for, uh, for a little while in 2015. Um, but, uh, you know, for, uh, at least for the Timbers, it wasn't really working out in the long term, mostly because of uh, the fact that the Timbers are really a team that is built around what Diego Chara does in the middle of the field. Uh, and, you know, when you've got Diego Chara in there and he is going to be covering as much ground as he does, um, you really don't want a guy like Nagby who's not going to be a defense first sort of player paired up with him in that middle of the pitch area. So that was never going to work out with the Timbers in that position in the long term. But uh, I think it's clear from looking at his skill set and from looking what he's done this year that, you know, that's that is peak Nagby. Uh, Josh, I guess, you know, you're seeing that now, um, that Nagby playing that, that, uh, connector role, um, pretty much every single game. Um, do you ever watch him and, and maybe wish it, that every once in a while you'd see a little flash of the, you know, some of, some of the highlight reel goals he would sprinkle in, in Portland. Do you ever wish that that was also part of it or, or are you satisfied with him doing what he's doing? Yeah, you know, I, I don't really miss it. And I think that that is kind of indicative of why he's in such a comfortable role, like Will says, where because he has guys around him that can provide uh, provide that little bit of quality in the final third. And because of the players around him, he's able to play that number eight role very effectively. He hasn't scored a goal all season, and obviously it hasn't hurt the Atlanta United attack too much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because you look at some of his highlight goals, certainly uh, – the, the curler that he had from the left side of the box last year was 
fantastic. That was, I think might've been up for goal of the season, but you know, you don't really miss it because Darlington Nagby in Atlanta is, is, is simply asked to do the things that, that he's good at connecting passes in the middle of the field, um, using his athleticism to get out of tight situations in the center of the park. And, and he's just not, Atlanta doesn't ask him to, to, to get goals or assists. So it's something that I think the first few months of the season uh, surprised some people. Uh, but as, as, as we continue to see him more in that role, it, it became clear that the goals and even the assists were just not a, a critical part of him being an important part of the attack. Player who used to be on Portland's team. I'm wondering, looking right now, 1 through 11, Will, I'm going to ask you the same thing. 1 through 11, is there any starter on Portland that you would take at a position over the guy you currently have starting? Um, I think absolutely Diego Chara. I mean, uh, to me, he is one of the best, uh, If I mean, I, I would argue the best defensive mid in MLS today. And uh, Atlanta United have some good players that, that play that position, Jeff Laurentiewicz and uh, uh, most likely Eric Rometty this Saturday. Uh, but Diego Chara, I think, is the guy that immediately comes to mind um, that is better than the players on Atlanta United playing the same role. And then obviously Blanco and Valeri are going to start somewhere. Um, but I'm not, I, I'd imagine uh, they maybe get in on, on the, in the wide areas for maybe uh, a Barco who hasn't been in great form this season or Vijalba on the other side. But the only player for sure that I look at uh, that, that gets right into the lineup is Diego Chara. Will? Yeah, I mean, looking at Atlanta, there's obviously just a, a ton of absurdly talented guys over there. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Almarone, Martinez, those are both fantastic players. Um, and, you know, I think on their merits, you'd have to, uh, or, you know, you'd have to uh, look to them first. Uh when a team has the top two vote getters in the MVP race, it, uh, it says something. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's 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 hard to look past them. But the problem about that is that the the two guys that they would be uh, you know replacing in Avisa and Valeri, um, you know, talent wise, you can't really make too great of an argument. But just in terms of pure sentimentality, like I, I would never answer the question in that way. <laughs> uh, you know, Valeri's a legend of the club and Evavise uh, is a guy who, um, you know, in every indication is exactly what the Timbers need uh, up top. And, um, you know, as a, as a person um, is just pretty fantastic to have on the team as well. So, you know, these uh there's so much talent there but god just can't cannot say it so my question now is a little off the field it has to do with the two owners who are of your teams that are diametrically opposed uh I think we can all agree that Merritt Paulson is probably the most online owner in MLS <laughs> and Arthur Blank is probably the least online o owner in MLS. So tell me how, 
tell me how that benefits each of your teams. Not not in obviously not on the field, but which do you prefer? Would you prefer an online owner or do you prefer a completely offline owner? And Will, go first since you went second last time. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, living with Merritt Paulson is a very interesting thing. Uh, you know when uh, when he is you know happy and engaging with the fans and you know throwing hot dogs to people out of his uh, you know box at uh, Galaxy Games or it's actually happening at a couple different venues at this point. Um, you know, he is a fun and interesting person to engage with. Um, but when he's cranky, Ooh boy, <laughs> things can get a little ugly. Um, so I guess when it comes down to it between a, an extremely online owner like Merritt and, uh, you know, someone who is just not going to engage directly, um, no, I. As much as he bothers some people uh, around the league, I very much enjoy having a crazy person uh, at the helm like Merritt, um, and you know, it just leads to so many moments that, you know, whether or not so they're good tweets. for the team, that's questionable. But they're definitely good for the fans as a as a as a bonding experience, if nothing else. <laughs> Josh. Yeah, I like uh, I like the on, uh, uh, online savvy or or highly participatory owner as well. Uh, Merritt Paulson is someone that you know, like uh, as Will said, he can get cranky sometimes. You know, he's like he, so he's just like the rest of us on Twitter. You know, and uh, I think it's real cool and it, it, it's great that he engages with the fans. So personally, I would prefer that as long as uh, you know I get to keep uh, those the, the deep uh, wallet of Arthur Blank, uh, which is really what I think is most important. Uh, I, I like the online presence. Sack, so he's got the money too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. When he when he spends fifteen million, we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> and uh, but uh, <laughs> I know I know that he can. But I I, I mean, Merritt Olsen is I love that style. But I think they actually have a little bit more in common. Also, in that they both really care about the team as well. You know, their fans as well, and and uh, they express that differently, obviously. But the most important thing for me, the owner, is that he actually you know he cares about the results on the pitch. And there's no question that's the case for Paulson and blank. Uh, I guess staying off the field, um, Josh, I'm going to come to you with this one uh, first. Um, I've been thinking about two phrases that are very popular with um, each of your team's fan bases. Um, So I'm going to ask for our listeners that don't know too much about Atlanta fan culture. Can you explain the phrase them five stripes as hell? Don't they? (laughs) <laughs> oh man. Uh it's basically just something that started uh or kind of organically through through Dirty South Soccer with one of our writers who was uh tends to be uh we talked about cranky Merritt Paulson on Twitter. Uh he definitely uh tilts that way at times as well and and he'll take <laughs> take control of the account and uh it just kind of started organically, you know, I mean, and, uh, it's kind of, at first I think it was almost a sarcastic, uh, trolley thing, but just, it, we, you know, we, uh, just stuck with it. And, and now that's what you see every game day on the dirty South soccer account is, a uh, something, something, uh, grammatically incorrect with about that. So it's just like a lot of Atlanta things. It just kind of 
started organically and, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit silly, but, you know, people like it and, uh, you know, it's good to see those traditions uh, establish themselves, even if they maybe don't make a ton of sense. Uh, it's still it's still been cool. Yeah, those are the best ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Will, uh, on a similar note, um, I know exactly where this one came from, but I, but I, I feel like our listeners probably don't. Um, this is a newer one, uh, even than, than Atlanta's. Um, can you explain the phrase celebrate? Thanks. <laughs> well, Sebastian Blanco has been working very hard on his English, uh, over the last two years since coming to Portland. Um, and you know, he has made huge strides. Uh, I don't think that any of the guys who, uh, have come here have picked it up quite as quickly and as comfortably as he has. Um, now with that, there is the caveat that occasionally, uh, he will tweet or put out on Instagram or what have you, uh, some stuff in the heat of the moment. Um, and celebrate thanks is just, just one such, uh, utterance, um, that uh, that he put out there uh, after the Seattle game, talking about his uh, the the celebration uh, of his uh, his goal, despite the fact that he arguably um, was involved in two of Seattle's goals in that match, or not arguably, he absolutely was impetus uh, <laughs> in two of Seattle's goals in that game. I assume that's going to go on a t-shirt if if you guys win on Saturday the way we're not going to be suck this year went on Caps fans shirts uh, <laughs> after Alexander Ovechkin said it and they went on to to lift the Stanley Cup. Oh, I mean everybody is already knee deep in celebrate thanks. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Timbers fans have a very strong culture of just, you know, you think of an idea, yeah, put it on a t-shirt, put it on a scarf, make some merch, pass it out. Uh, you know, the, uh, celebrate thanks has been wholeheartedly embraced by fans, by the club, uh, and by Blanco himself, who has kind of leaned into it as his tagline, uh, through the remainder of the playoffs here. One last thing before we, we call it a night here, and this is going to determine who I personally will be rooting for. Uh, on on Saturday, and it is going to test both of your knowledge of DC culture. I don't know why I decided that this is going to be my my litmus test, but but it is. I, I I'm going to name three things, and you guys get to tell me what they are, and uh, then uh, I'll choose based on your answers. The first one is Kojo Namdi. Will you can go first? Uh, Kojo Nambi is uh, a famous bulldog. Period. <laughs> Josh. <That's a> Josh. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Uh, I, you know, sounds like a good place to get some sushi. <laughs> uh, good. How are we doing okay. so far? <laughs> Not great. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Kojo Nambi is a famous radio host here in DC. Oh, I was going to say I didn't even know that was a name. So okay. All right, hey, the next one. Start. 
Josh, you get to go first this time. Right. Go, go. Say again? Go, go. go. If I say go, go in DC, what does that mean? Uh, go into like a club to listen to some go, go music. Will? Uh, go, go is, of course, a description of how you want your lobster roll served. I don't think we're quite that far north. Uh, Go-Go is music. It's native to D.C. Chuck Brown invented it. close. Back in the day. Yeah, Josh, you got, you got pretty close. And Go-Go was, is also what they call the clubs where Go-Go music is played. So you were, you were actually very I close. think they mentioned that on The Wire, and that's, that's how I'm remembering, actually, remembering that. Yeah, Stringer Bell at one point says he can't stand D.C. Go-Go. There we so go. He, there we go. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm just basically a local at this point. I mean, you actually might that that answer is better than some newcomers to DC would give. So you're not far (laughs) off. Last one. Uh, This one actually caused some controversy. Oh, so Adam's just a DC hipster now. (laughs) Back in my day, people knew what Go Go was. (laughs) I've lived here for for a minute. Uh, Yeah, you Indiana hipster. Like all Indiana hipsters, I got the hell out of Indiana. All right, Will, you get to do this one first. What is mumbo sauce? Oh, oh no. I've had mumbo sauce, <laughs> but I don't remember what it was. My brother lives in D.C. I, uh, uh, He's going to be very disappointed in me. <laughs> I don't remember. It's okay. The mayor... Uh, of DC apparently hadn't heard about it unless she was born and raised here. She didn't hear about it until she got to college. So I feel like having had it should count for something. Oh, it does. But let's hear what Josh's answer is before we decide. I thought mumbo sauce was the famous radio DJ. (laughs) Not who it is. Uh, Famous mumbo sauce. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there might be one on (laughs) a, a radio station, but he's not the, the famous activist uh, NPR local station host like Kojo Nabdi is. Right. I, I, which I will never, I will never forget uh, <laughs> who he is. Yeah. Mumbo sauce is uh, famous in, in Chinese carryouts in DC. It is, I think it was actually invented in Chicago, but it took root here. Um, and it's just kind of this sweet and sour and spicy kind of almost mix between uh, a typical Chinese carryout sauce and some barbecue flavoring thrown in. It's weird and good in its own way. Um, now I have to pick you guys. Let's see. Josh got go go. Will has had mumbo sauce. Or you don't. Yeah, I don't have to pick. That's true. Uh, I can announce <laughs> at a later time. I don't have to decide right now. Or you just don't. <laughs> Bill off. Ben often wants me to just not. So it was all a lie. This was all a ruse. It's true. We haven't yeah. been recording this entire this show. I was preparing for this quiz all day, and now you're not even going to make a decision. <laughs> I mean, it was a split decision, right? Because nobody got Kojo. Um, Will gets the point for Mumbo Sauce, and, and Josh gets the point for GoGo. He's, he had it, but he couldn't even remember what, what it was. I mean, I think that's akin to a slap in the face, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, clearly it didn't leave that deep of an impression on me. Anyways. All right. I, I have to root for the Interlopers United then. <laughs> no. <laughs> I overrule you, Adam. They took our colors. They took our name. Yeah, I overrule you, Adam. You're wrong. <laughs> Will Conwell, Josh Bagransky, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Will, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Uh, they can find me at William Conwell on Twitter and writing stuff on stumptownfooty.com. Josh. Yeah, you can find me at uh, JoshB914 on Twitter, and uh, you can find my articles and other Atlanta United coverage at Dirty South Soccer on Twitter. The Twitter handle is Dirty South Sock, uh, Dirty South SOC. I, I'm going to guess that Dirty South Sock with a K at the end is a terrible Twitter handle that you don't want to follow. <laughs> Especially not at work. <laughs> that that uh, we have discussed that before. Yes, <laughs> that would not have worked out well. Find oh, us yeah. at blackandredunited.com. We're at blackandredu on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast. You can support us financially at patreon.com/filibuster. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, download, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher soundcloud wherever you get your podcast mostly though when you're watching the game this saturday tell a friend about the show that's the best way to get the word out for jason and thanking will and josh one more time i'm adam say goodbye jason celebrate goat don't they <laughs> <laughs>